Hello and welcome to the EIC Scaling Club podcast, where we share interesting insights from leading European deep tech entrepreneurs, investors, and industry experts. You've come to the right place. Now sit back and enjoy the podcast. Hey, Robin Waters here from Tech.eu and EIC Scaling Club. I'm here in Warsaw for the OTB Venture Summit, OTB uh, being one of the largest and most active DPEC investors in the CE region. One of their portfolio companies is a company called Soter Analytics, and I'm sitting down here with the co-founder of the company, Matt. Welcome. Uh, what can you tell us about Soter? So, Soter Analytics, we're a company that helps keep um, industrial workers safe at work. Um, it's a hidden problem that probably many people don't think about, but these people, you know, whether they work in warehouses or in factories, they go to work and they have very physically demanding jobs that also have a lot of risks associated with this work as well. Um, and why people don't think about that is, you know, we get products, we, we, we get things that are made, we get things that are delivered, but there's many, many people involved in making this product and getting it to people. So what these workers do is they come to work, they're... they're um, um, exposed to these different risks, and sometimes they get injured. Typically, about three to five percent of a workforce gets injured every year, and these injuries are expensive. You know, they average at about forty thousand dollars per injury. But I think more importantly than that is that they affect these people's lives as well. It's their livelihood. Their, you know, they might not have the ability to work, or their ability to work might be dropped. Um, it affects their personal relationships as well. You know, we've got stories of people who have back injuries who can't play with their kids anymore. So there's a huge um, emotional and mental toll of these injuries as well. So what we do at Sota Analytics is we build a technology that allows um, these workers to understand the risk that they're exposed to. And it starts with a sensor that they wear. So it's a sensor with multiple, or it's a device, I should say, with multiple sensors in there measuring, you know, the way they're moving. The, are they putting risk in their back or in their shoulders? Do they risk a back injury? We're measuring their exposure to temperatures. You know, have they been in a hot, in a hot working environment for too long? That starts to be unsafe. We're measuring noise exposure and we're also measuring um, if there's equipment moving towards them that might contact them and cause an injury. And we're measuring this, and if the, the sensor identifies that there is a risk of an injury or an accident happening, we're giving the, war the warning to the worker in real time, so the device beeps and vibrates. So it gives them this warning, they can change their behavior, or can they, they can change their risk exposure, and by doing that, they avoid injuries. Our, our typical client is reducing injuries by 50 plus percent. Great. And who is your typical client, what kind of industries um, you know, are customers of uh, Soter? So we work in a lot of industries, um, but the, the typical industries that are really taking off at the moment for us are manufacturing. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, they have large workforces, but they're also very highly skilled workforces. Um, and having, having people who are highly skilled suffering or at the risk of injuries is obviously a, it's a big productivity problem as well for these companies. On top of that, we've got warehousing and logistics. Obviously, a lot of people, you know, doing very, very physical work. So there's there's a big injury risk in these industries as well. But we have clients in healthcare, um, in construction, in mining, oil and gas. Um, pretty much any industry that has a manual handling component to it, we have a customer in that. Right. And where did the original idea for the company uh, originate from? Uh, where does it, what's the background? So my background, I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, I started working in the mining industry in Australia, so in the outback. Um, and these are huge operations, you know, with a lot of equipment, you know, many assets um, and a lot of people as well. And as a mechanical engineer, I was really focused on 
improving the reliability of the machines that we were using. So obviously these, these machines are part of a complex supply chain and if things are breaking down unexpectedly, it's, a, it's quite a, a large productivity problem. So my job was to reduce the amount of breakdowns that we had and how I did that is I would take data from the sensors that were on these machines, understand what these sensors were telling me and then understanding if these machines had a, had a risk of breaking down so that we could do maintenance on them before this breakdown happened. So a lot of money, time, effort went into keeping the machines from breaking down. But of course, there's a lot of people as well. And people can also break down. And they're also critical to the productivity of an organization. But the same investment, the same ideas, the same technology wasn't being developed for these people. A lot of time we were waiting for the injury to happen and then we you know, mitigate the, the injury. We help them rehab if they can. We try to get them back to work. So I saw the clear opportunity, you know, do reliability engineering, but do it for humans and not machines. Great. Well, I'm curious about, does the demand typically come from the workers themselves, asking their employers to, you know, better safety, more tracking of uh, potential risks, or is it usually the employers who go looking out for solutions? Yeah, this is actually a really interesting question. Um, you would think it comes from the workers, and it does, but not as much as you would think. Um, now, typically, the, the sort of worker that we're working with You know, they're tough, they're strong, um, you know, they, they might not be, you know, as careful about their safety as they should be until they get injured. And then everyone always says, like, man, I wish I cared more. But usually, unfortunately, sometimes it takes the first injury for people to, to take the problem seriously. Um, so we definitely focus our value proposition at this stage to the company. Um, companies, of course, they have a responsibility to keep people safe and, and this This responsibility is getting stronger and stronger, you know, and, and it's regulated as well. But we're also really focused on the productivity side of this. You know, they have people not just because it's fun to have people in a business. These people drive the productivity of the, of the business. And having people injured is a risk to this productivity. So we're really focused and our value proposition being we're going to make your business more productive. And are workers ever concerned about sort of the privacy aspect and, you know, the the desire not to be tracked at the work floor? Yes, absolutely they are. Um, so what we're doing is all the value of our solution goes to the worker themselves. They, they're in the situation um, that could cause injury. They get the warnings. They, they get the insight to keep them safe. Um, so that's the, the way that we position it to the worker. There is, of course, though, data coming back to the organization. One piece of data that is not coming back from our organization, that from our device to the organization, is location because we don't track it at all. There is no tracking of location. That was very clearly driven by the workers saying, you know, we don't want our location to be tracked all the time. But a lot of the other risks, a lot of the risks that they're exposed to is being tracked, is being sent to the organization. And then it depends on the relationship between the workers and the organization. So some companies, you know, they have very good relations. You know, they, they explain to the workers, we're going to see your data. You know, we're going to use this data to make the workplace safer. And workers believe that, they buy into that, and it's a good situation. Sometimes the relations are not so good. Um, and what we do in those cases is we anonymize the data that gets sent back to the organization so that it can never be used to perform and manage an individual And yet, the, it doesn't matter if the data is anonymized or not, the worker still gets all their own information. Right. Uh, what's the actual business model? Do you sell the devices or do you sell it sort of as a product plus a service? So we have a business model that is a subscription per worker per year. 
Um, so, you know, 90, we do have a hardware element to our business, but 95% of our revenue is subscription. Um, and that's really around our value proposition of we help each worker be safe. And that's what we charge for. Um, companies do buy the devices off us as well. So there's an upfront hardware cost. Um, it's really, really quite low. It's, it's around $50 per person, uh, per device to buy a, a piece of hardware. Um, at, but then most of our revenue coming from, some, from subscriptions. Great. So where's the company at today? Can you share some uh, numbers, people, uh, offices that you have, et cetera? Yep. So, so we're a 60-person team at the moment. Um, we're headquartered in London, but our biggest office is in Chicago in the U.S. Um, our development team is in Krakow in Poland. And we also have um, sales and marketing offices in Australia, in France. Um, and, yep, that's, that's all our locations. In terms of revenue, um, so we've just done our Series A. Our revenue is growing um, 3x uh, year on year for the last couple of years. And we work with really, really large companies as well. So there's a lot of upsell potential in, in how we do our business. So you do have offices uh, all across the globe. So that's a perfect uh, situation for me to ask a question. How do you rate sort of the, the talent of the workers uh, here in Europe and the talent of the deep tech community as a whole? So the talent in Europe, um, definitely on the on the you know the programming the development side is incredibly high. Um, so coming from Australia and and even being an engineer, um, the education that I went through is not on the same level as what's happening in Europe. And I would say particularly Eastern Europe, very very strong mathematical education as you grow up, um, and that's why we've got in Eastern Europe the best developers in the world. You know, the the problem with Eastern Europe sometimes is the economy itself you know and and you know it, what companies like Soto and tech businesses like us enable people to do is to live in Europe which is awesome and like who wouldn't want to live in Europe um, but they can solve worldwide problems you know they can tap we can tap into big markets in in the US for example but yeah we can we have a really talented pool of engineers here in, in Eastern Europe um, building a product for the world Fantastic. Well, a super fascinating company. I hadn't heard of it before, so I'm very happy to bring it to you here in Warsaw. Uh, wishing you all the best uh, for the future. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the EIC Scaling Club podcast. For more interesting insights on European deep tech, subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and our newsletter on eicscalingclub.eu. See you. See you.